Okay, it says leader shares for 10 minutes. Guess that's me. Once again, I'm David and I'm alcoholic and I'm very grateful today I have other options than having a cocktail in my hand. And I still gotta remind myself that every day because like I stated, I love to drink and I love to smoke weed. And uh, if I don't stick with my first, second and third steps, then I'm gonna have to do my fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth. I don't wanna do that today. I wanna go straight to 11 and 12 where the promises are at. So I need to surrender my life every day, get on my knees. If you have problems getting on your knees in the morning and you don't trust this guy up above, put your car keys underneath your bed. That'll make you get down on your knees in the morning. Then you're gonna have to pray. Just a suggestion my sponsor gave me, I took it, I got six years of sobriety and some change. And I owe all that to my higher power. Uh, let me put my timer on because I can speak all night if I have to. You don't want to hear Henry talk anyways. I hear it every day. Okay. I guess it's uh, where I came from, what happened, and where I'm at now. My first drink was when I was nine on my dad's lap watching a Laker game on an old Coors can with the pull tab. He gave me a little drink of beer and that's where it all started. But I didn't realize it started until I got into high school. Uh, my sophomore year was probably the best year of my life. Uh, back in those days in the 80s, I graduated in 85. So in 82, that's when backyard parties were really big. Kagers all night, women, drugs, you name it, it was there. I hung out, I hung out with a group of guys. There was like eight of us. That had a, one of us had a Dodge van. We piled up in that. We saved our lunch money during the week. And back then, we'd buy beer, six packs, I don't know, maybe a buck and a half, two bucks, who knows. And, uh, and that's, how she, that's how I started. Um, after I graduated, I progressed into doing cocaine. And uh, I got a little story. When I first started getting into cocaine, I still hung out with some high school uh, guys when I graduated. And uh, we were at a football game one night. And uh, me and my buddy were looking for some, you know, white man drug. And we found someone who had some and it was, we got it. We went to the car and we smashed it down, did our deal, snorted it, nothing happened. So we go back to the guy who gave sold it to us and hey man, what's going on? This is some bum stuff. He says, nah, dude, I, I sold you crack. I'm like, oh shit, that explains it. Here's 40 more dollars, let's try crack. Uh, long story short, I ended up into a, a 30 day in-house program in Glendale, uh, Glendale Adventist Residential Center for 30 days out program. That was my first beginning of AA. But I didn't, I was so stubborn, my head was still up my ass. I didn't want to believe anything they were saying. I was just bullshitting everybody. Uh, I got out of there and I survived five months of sobriety. I don't know how it happened, but it did. My, my counselor told my parents straight out, he needs to go 90 days, 90 meetings. 90 meetings, 90 days, however that goes. And uh, of course I didn't do it. He also suggested I don't go back to my old neighborhood in Cerritos. I went back to my old neighborhood in Cerritos. Still had five months of sobriety. Then I started hanging out with my buddies again and started smoking weed and drinking again. Uh, but I'm, I'm happy to say to this date from then, 1989, I haven't done cocaine since then. So something was there. Something was giving me hope and strength and courage. I just haven't found it yet. Uh, moving on forward. Um, I moved up here in Glendora with my mother at the time for about seven years back in the 90s. 
still partying, still drinking. She wasn't there all the time. So it made a perfect life for a single guy like me to come home and just drink and smoke. No problems at all with anybody. Um, moving on forward, I got married. Uh, I was drunk when I proposed to her. In fact, I was drunk all the way from high school till six years ago. Let's just get to the point. And uh, I proposed to her one night. We got married and uh, had a couple kids, which I'm very grateful, grateful for today. I love my kids dearly. And I just pray that they uh, see what dad's doing today and they love me back. But that's another story at another time. Um, we managed to have 20 years of marriage. And uh, she ended up telling me at the end, our last five or six years were kind of rocky. She told me at the end, I never really loved you. I was, she was 10 years younger. She was just happy to have an older man see something in her and think she was pretty and all this and that. So uh, of course I cried and I begged for her back. Um, and it didn't work, obviously. Uh, when COVID started, that's when I got my separation. Um, my mother passed away in 2020, so I had a place up here in, uh, she had a house here in Glendora. So my wife told me, hey, you go up there and, and hang out for, for a couple weeks because I had a scratchy throat. You got to go quarantine. Uh, two weeks later, I called her. She says, I want to file for divorce. Okay. Um, so I had that happen in my life. My mother passed away, divorce, but I still didn't go out and drink. I still took suggestions from my sponsor. And uh, there was a couple rocky roads back, back forward a little bit. My uh, first year was good, sobriety. Second, third, and fourth were shit. Fifth year was kind of rocky. Uh, I wanted to quit. Told my sponsor, I'm done. God doesn't love me. I'm God, you know. And uh, he said, all right, call me back in two weeks. Let me know how it is. Thank God that I didn't go out and drink and use because it was at that point where I'm like, I'm done with everything. I'm pissed off at my son, my daughter, everybody. Life wasn't good, but I was still sober. So I called him back in two weeks and we started all over again. And I got back into the program and started uh, hitting the book a little bit more, started meeting with my sponsor every, uh, every week. And uh, life started getting a little bit better. My fifth birthday, I uh, was out here I was going to the meetings with Stephanie and Bob at Bob's house, and uh, I collected my fifth-year chip from them, and I was a mess. I was friggin' a mess. Anxiety. Uh, I was just, every, everything was just bad. My son didn't want me to be around him. Kids didn't want to come up and visit me. Everything was just a mess, man. And, and I remember that night before I was sitting at my place, and uh, my son called me, and he plays baseball. And he's got a dream, and his dream is almost there. And, and uh, at the time, he, they called the JOs in Arizona. And he didn't want me to go to the tournament. He wanted his grandparents to go. So I just told him, you know what? Screw you, F you. I don't want you in my life at all. And I'm saying this to my son, who I'm trying to get back into my life. That didn't work out too well. Uh, I'll regret that for the rest of my life. And uh, so moving on. My sixth birthday, or my, after my fifth birthday, I called my sponsor and told him everything and how I was a wreck, I'm gonna go out and drink, blah, blah, blah. He told me, you know what, just go to bed. Let's talk in the morning. That next day I got my fifth year trip with Stephanie and Henry and Bob and a few other people at Bob's house. 
And that's where my life started. It started turning around because my sponsor was trying to tell me for five years, you need to let go. You need to let go of things that are killing you, that are bringing you down. I let go of my kids. They're not my kids, they're God's kids. I let go of my wife, my ex-wife, because I still kind of wanted her. I let go of my neighbor across the way. I hope she's not here. I got involved with her. She, she tore my heart apart. Rebound after marriage, you know how that is. Um, so I finally let her go as well. You've been there, I can see. Uh, so once I let go of everything, my program started to progress into just breathing, enjoying life. I don't have to sweat the little things anymore. I don't have to look in my rearview mirror of the past, all that damage I've done to my family, my kids. I got a real view mirror in front of me with a life full of happiness. And that's what I focus on when I drive. Uh, I got my family back. I got my kids back. Oh my God, I'm so grateful for that. Because I don't bug them anymore. They're teenagers. They got their own life to deal with. It's time for dad to enjoy his life. And that's what I'm doing now. I'm living life with unsolved problems at a very peaceful mind. I don't sweat the stuff no more. I don't sweat the financial. I don't sweat the drivers in front of me. I don't sweat work anymore. Work is just work. Uh, I don't sweat my neighbors, anything, you know? I just want to be a giver now, because I'm a taker. When I was using, I had a bag of weed and an ice chest full of beer. If you had the same as me, I had nothing. I wanted your stuff, so I could go home later and have my stuff for a nightcap. Uh, today, Alcoholics Anonymous, my whole life revolves around that because if I don't stick with Alcoholics Anonymous, I don't have my kids. I don't have a job. Who just gave me, by the way, $800 a month raise. Go figure. They're giving me bigger responsibilities at, at work, which I'm handling well. My boss told me yesterday, man, you're doing a great job. That's Alcoholics Anonymous working. That's God working through my, my, my boss telling me, David, you're okay. Things are good today. I gotta surrender my life every morning. If I don't surrender my life every morning, I'm screwed. If I don't turn my life over to God and let God do his magic for me, I'm screwed. Bottom line, and if I let all this small shit get to me, I wanna go out and drink and use, I'm done. See you later kids, see you later family, see you later Dave, take me to the desert and leave me there because I'm gonna die from drinking. That's just the way my mind works. And I'm very fortunate to say my committee doors are shut. They've been shut for a year now. Eh, give or take a few days here and there. We all have bad days. But for the most part, life's good today. And I owe it all to AA. I owe it all to you guys. I owe it all to the newcomers who didn't address themselves today. That's okay. I've been there. We've all been there. It's all right. The newcomers are going to save me today if you're out there. Because I know how it is to be a newcomer. I've been there twice. I don't want to lose my sobriety day tonight. I got too much good things in life going on today. Actually, just for the rest of this day. When tomorrow comes, I'll deal with tomorrow when it gets here. Um, I'm a very blessed man. And I'm not arrogant to say, because I know I'm a blessed man, because I got a roof over my head, I got a job, I got AA, I got God in my life. What else can I ask for? What else can I ask for? Yeah, I want to win the lottery. Oh, it ain't gonna happen. Yeah, I want the Dodgers to win. You know what? That's not going to happen either the way they're rolling. All right? Yeah, I want the Lakers to win. But you know what? 
that, that's not going to happen either. I can't control that anymore. That used to control my life. You could ask my ex-wife. You could call her up. If we're going to dinner, are the Lakers on? Is there a TV? Otherwise, I'm not going. I'm staying home. That's how my life is, but not today. Not today. Um, I think I was all over the world, all over the map with that. But I hope you got something that you could take home tonight and, and just use it for tonight. If you need to throw it in your toolbox, throw it in your toolbox. Um, we have a good speaker coming up next, I hope. Um, he's been a great supporter of mine since I moved up here in Glendora. Uh, Les has been uh, a good supporter. He was my first gentleman I met walking in the park here two years ago. And uh, I hope you could get something from Henry because Henry has a lot to give. He has a lot to give. And uh, I've learned that over the years. He's a good, good buddy to go to the track with. And we could go to the track and bet horses and don't drink. We could sit at the bar and just laugh and have a good time. Bet the ponies, have a good time and don't drink. So for that, I am done. Thank you for letting me be part of your sobriety for this moment. Just breathe. Life gets better. Believe me, if I could do it, anybody could do it. I, I, I know anyone could do it. So enough of me. Have a blessed day. I've crossed an imaginary line, there's no return. I crossed that line at 18. And first of all, I want to thank David. A six pack and a 12 pack. <laughs> and more importantly, my program. Enthusiasms. 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 What is that which gives me joy and happiness? program of Alcoholics Anonymous, my two big books, and the steps, Power and Glory. And I want to thank, first and foremost, my God, who I owe my life to, my sobriety, everything he has given me, this precious gift of sobriety. Caesar with one year, all the newcomers. I want to thank Bill Wilson, for 37 years of sobriety. He was getting sober around this time, around Amistad's time. His sobriety date is December 11th, 1934. Dr. Bob, 15 years, his last drink, June 10th, 1935. One beer. Bill had four. My last drink. July 10th of 010, eight beers. My belly button birthday, March 17th, 1964. I was born on a freaking drinking day. Does that qualify me for alcoholic? And my sobriety date, October 17th, 2010. Page 411 says no chemical compounds. And I smoked a big fat joint hit that thing 25 times because you know what and more importantly 
Thank you, Dave, for leaving me a water, because you know what? I'm a two-fisted drinker. <laughs> and you know what? I'm nervous as hell right now. You know what? That's why I drank alcohol. Anxiety. to shut me off. And, uh, oh, I want to thank my first sponsor, Fernando. I love this man right here. Okay? He, he saw me when I came in. One or two hours of sleep. He didn't think I was going to make it. Neither did I. But God had other plans. I want to thank my sponsor, Steve. He's not here tonight. He's battling two cancers. But he's still alive. And my grand sponsor, Les. And everybody here in Alcoholics Anonymous, it's a we program. There's an old saying, many are called and few are chosen. We're the chosen few. And this is my story. I was brought up in a Catholic home, very strict parents. My dad, 88 years old, still drinking alcohol, 70 years. I went to his house a couple of times and he offered me a beer, a couple of beers. And I said, no, dad, I don't drink no more. He's got old timers, bless his heart. And my mother, who thanked me for quit drinking, for breaking the curse. This disease is the curse. And when I came in here, I want to state this fact. I never, ever, ever had any reservations and ever quit drinking at all. Alcohol was my God. It was my first love. It was everything to me. Remember, Fernando? Never wanted to quit drinking at all. I want to be like my old dad dying old man with the bottle because the disease had me by my balls it had me around the neck but i was brought up in a catholic home at a very young age my mother used to give me these little milkshakes with wine hey marcos and at 13 my dad gave me a little cup of beer and he says you know what everything is is to be uh, uh, enjoyed, but if you, you know, if you abuse it, it's not good. At 18 years old, something very traumatic happened in my life. My brother, who's got schizophrenia at 17, my dad gave him a wank. My dad would let me drink three beers daily. Sometimes I had more. And I'd be in my room. Thinking, I'm next. That's when I crossed that imaginary line. I drank from 18 to 46, 28 good years. And I recall my first drunk at 19. Nine Mickey's Big Mounts. With that big leg, nine of them in 15 minutes. At 21, I don't need my old man no more. We have the nightclubs, Nancy. And I can drink as much as I want, backyard parties, weed, which I started at 16. The 80s was the bomb. It was the best era. Backyard parties, nightclubs, you can drink and drive. It wasn't like it is now. Everything was mellow. The nightclubs were great. And so it happened that at the nightclubs, in May of 1989, I took a hostage. 
my wife. And we met at a bar, and within a month, I got her pregnant. And I said, is this kid mine? My parents said, don't marry her. But I did. And my life was soon to be over. All I did was drink, 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 drink. Christmas parties, pictures of me drinking. That's all I did was drink. And then we had a daughter 13 months later. And then we had a miscarriage. But my whole life was revolved around drinking. I can say that I had an illustrious career. I had over a hundred different beers, Fernando. A hundred different beers, and I can name them all. But I won't. Beer is good, wine is fine, but hard liquor is quicker. I want to get effed up quicker. Beer has 6% alcohol, wine has about 12, hard liquor has 40. Tequila was my favorite drink. My favorite beer was Dos Equis. Mixed drinks, I think I had over 60 different kind of mixed drinks. Vodka. There was this one drink from Italy called Sambuco. Alcohol was my god. It was my master, my best friend, my everything. Everything revolved around alcohol. And you know what? I can walk and talk and, you know, even cite things, you know. But alcohol did everything for me. I didn't know about AA or the way I drank. I thought it was normal to drink 12, 24 beers and a fifth of vodka with my friends. You know, and my buddy David, him and I were partying. We'd be blitz right now, but we, we talked about that, but what it would be. But what it would be is I wouldn't be alive. So I continued in that marriage. We had a lot of fights. My drinking progressed and progressed and progressed. I didn't know nothing. I just continued to drink. My life was over. And uh, fast forward to 2002, I started having liver problems. You know, I had a blood test the other day. My, my blood's good. My liver was having, I was having pains. And the doctors put me on this medication called Prozac. I continue to drink, and there's a picture of me there. I look like I just got out of jail. A beard, bloodshot eyes. But that's the only thing I knew. And her and I were having fights, a lot of fights. The more I drank, the more I wanted to argue. I never touched my wife, but I was emotionally abusive to her. You know what? She was brought up in an alcoholic home. Attraction. The book talks about that. You know, my ex-wife grew up in an alcoholic home. Her father died of a horrible accident. And her siblings drank and her uncles drank, so she was attracted to me. I was the third alcoholic in her life. And you know what, God bless her, I want to thank her. This isn't step one. Unless a man hit AA his bottom, 
you do not try to eat. And uh, anyways, September of 2006, I started hanging out with this cat called Richard Herrera. He worked in the back warehouse, I worked in the office. And we'd go out and get an 18 pack each, go to Hollywood Park, dollar beer, I don't know if you guys remember that. Drink and drive, drink before, get smashed, trashed, effed up. And uh, we drank a lot, you know? And so in 2006, I met him. Actually, I got to fast forward to 2005. This is my DUI that I got to retrieve on. June of 2005, we went to Las Vegas. We planned a trip. He had four DUIs. I didn't have any. My wife says, don't let him drive. So I picked him up in the morning, and uh, he was going to bring his, his gun, his magnum gun. We were going to go to the shooting gallery. And I advised him not to bring it. If he does, I'll tell you what happened later. So anyways, I'm driving, and he gets all upset, take me home. So I let him drive. We weren't drinking on the way up there, but the next day in Hoover Dam, we were drinking in the car. And by the way, when I drank alcohol, the 7-Eleven Big Gulp glass, 64 ounce, was my companion. I can put five beers in there, Tequila Sunrise, you name it. That was my companion. I thought I invented it. But anyways, going back to the Las Vegas trip, on the second day, we're drinking and driving, drinking and driving. Our room is full of bottles. They had some weed. We went to the shooting gallery, and I shot a target of Osama bin Laden. Back then, $25 million was the, the reward they gave you for killing him. And this gun was so powerful, I felt like I was God. You know, I could take somebody's life with that gun. So, on the way home, we're driving home. Now I'm driving. We stopped by this Arco to scope out the place. I had these glasses. I was looking around. Didn't think of nothing. I go in my car. Richard says, get the styrofoam cups. So I go inside, I notice the cashiers are nervous. Don't know why. I go in the car, we're drinking out of styrofoam cups. We're on the freeway heading home from Victorville. And the cop car gets right in back of me. And it passes me up and it gets off the freeway. I'm thinking, shit. I'm gonna get arrested, right? Cop car goes back on the freeway. Boom, boom, boom. I'm getting arrested. I pull over, it was Homeland Security. This was 2005 after 9-11. These guys had machine guns, it was three of them. They see our targets. This guy's got a gun. My friend brings a gun, going to jail. I'm already prepared, I'm going to jail. They see our targets, they see the weed, they see the alcohol. So the cop says, you been driving? Yep, you got a clean record, I'll let you go. Is that not God? That's my DUI that I should have had. And that same year in TJ, we're going to TJ, the drink, party, they have a curse after midnight. I'm walking around like an idiot with a beer in my hand. Cops gonna take me in, because I'm taking you in. 
and I've never been in the can, and I wouldn't survive in the can. My friend comes out of this bar, he goes, give him some money. I gave him 10 bucks, he let me go. Third instance, I used to go to this club called Quiet Canyon on Fridays. I'd get there at five, $2 drinks. I'd have eight, 15 of them get smashed, trashed. I'm coming out of the, the driveway, making a left on Garfield. I'm ready to turn the wheel to the left. I'm so drunk, I can't even see. My buddy turns the wheel, I would've hit that car head on. Those were the three times I could have gotten in trouble. So, September of 2006, my hell starts. I'm dancing on this table with three girls, drunk as a skunk. I jump off the table and I hit the floor and I thought I had broken my neck. And while I was dancing with these girls, I hear a voice said, Henry, Henry, what are you doing? God was calling me. And I remember hearing that voice. Because that, after that fall, in November of 2006, Richard got fired. And I woke up, a panic attack I had. And I remember that night, I woke up terrified because I heard like a shotgun blast. Thinking, this son of a bitch, he's in here with a shotgun. He had just got fired. Him and I didn't get along well towards the end. And I started having panic attacks. And I'm drinking more and more and more and more to get the same effect. It's called tolerance. Vodka, rum, tequila. And when I would come home from drinking tequila, I lie in the bed, I close my eyes, and I see these demonic black bats around me. I had no clue what was going on. More and more and more and more. I was having vision problems I couldn't see. December 8th, 2006, I go to the chiropractor. I'm having a stabbing pain here on the top of my head. He says, you better go to the doctor's. It was a Tuesday. I went to Kaiser and Sunset. I walk in there. I was so tired, I couldn't see. I was exhausted. 188 over 110 blood pressure, stage 3 hypertension. Doctor put me on a Tenolol and this medication called amitriptyline. It's a psych medication. I was already on cholesterol for the liver. And uh, I continued to drink. The next year, January of 2007, I went to the emergency at Kaiser. And I was administered a very strong narcotic called clonazepam. says depressants drugs 
such as narcotics and tranquilizers and alcohol multiply the effects of each other taking depressant drugs when drinking is extremely dangerous sometimes resulting in death i was given this stuff and this stuff stores in your liver for four days i'm drinking 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 and the hell starts there's an old saying before you go to heaven you got to go to hell I was in a state of hell and I didn't know what was going on. Drinking, taking pills, smoking weed, doctor, kind of like Dr. Bob's experience. Insanity, doing the same thing over and over again. And my heart was ready to pop out of me. I had no clue what was going on. Her and I were having fights, it was getting bad. 2007, 2008, I go to the psychiatrist and they're giving me all these drugs, Ambien, Ativan, barbiturates, throwing all these drugs at me because now I'm in the land of hell. Hell! One or two hours of sleep, waking up, screaming in the night. I had no clue what was going on. There's a Bible verse that I remember. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who is with you. God was with me during that hell. But I continued to drink because alcohol, I needed to drink more and more and more and more. Page five in the big book says, and I quote Bill Wilson, Alcohol ceased to become a luxury, became a necessity. It wasn't no fun no more, but I continued to drink because that's all I knew. To drink and take those damn pills and smoke weed. And in 2009, the doctor gave me this other psych medication called Seroquel. Continued to drink, 25, 50, 100 milligrams. I can feel my heart ready to pop out of me. What the hell is going on? What is the problem? The darkness is fitting that the darkness encompasses my share. I remember being terrified of the night. I was so scared of the night. I'd wake up screaming one or two hours of sleep, but I continued to drink. And then my wife says, why don't you go to Kaiser Permanente? in West Covina. So I did. And the doctors over there, I saw this guy, Dr. Zola. And he saw me and he says, you you look like an alcoholic. And I told him, hell, you go to hell. Fuck you. Who are you to tell me? Because I hated that word alcohol. I hated that label. You're better off calling me the F word. I hated it. Because alcohol was my master. It was my best friend. He says, you go to a quinceanera, go 90 days without a drink. And I went with my wife and her friend. They were drinking Tecate. By the way, Tecate is poor man, Mexican poor man beer. It's like drinking Coors Light. I saw this guy drinking a Tecate. 
and I'm shaking like a leaf. And you know what? I had one that night, and then in two days I had a case. I got drunk. There is no way I can go anytime. I continued to drink. I continued to go to that Kaiser Chemical Dependency Program. I had a, psych uh, I had a psychologist, and his lady says, asked me, how much do you drink? Two glasses of wine. Well, I was drinking two, three, four, five bottles of wine. I started drinking wine now, red wine. They say it's good for your heart. And the more I drank, the bigger my heart. At the end, it was everything, champagne, everything. And uh, I continued, I used to go to that program and I saw the steps on the wall. And, I'm, and I saw God and I'm like, what is this? What is all this stuff? I continued to drink. And the fights got worse, worse, and worse. My drinking got worse. Now I'm taking everything in the book. January 11th, 2010 was the day that I was going to commit suicide. Well, prior to that, let me tell you, let me back up. A friend of mine who passed away, my best friend, he says, you know what, go get yourself a medical marijuana license. I've never had one of those. I went to this quack doctor in Glendale, and I brought my meds, and he says, you know, you're taking this psych med called Seroquel. Don't mix it with alcohol or don't take it with anything else. So I went to La Plenty, I got the prescription for this cookie, okay, and I ingested it. And then a couple hours later, came home about five, about maybe 6.30 or seven. I took my medication. I went to bed, so I thought. Eight o'clock at night, I have my eyes closed and I see these rainbow colors. I open up my eyes. I'm in freaking hell. I saw three of me. My mind had split, and uh, my heart was ready to pop out of me. And by the way, I, I, I was drinking that, that night too. I wake up, my ex-wife is in the living room. I says, call the emergency, call the emergency. I scared the shit out of her. I went in the bathroom, I threw up, and I hear a voice say, go to the kitchen, get a knife, and cut your head off. I'm going for the kitchen for the knife and I feel this force pull, pull, pulling me. It's pulling me towards the kitchen and I'm oh no. I make a left, I go out the door. I feel these black things around me. And I hear a voice, you're going to hell. We're taking you now. My friend shows up and he starts praying for me. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Take me to the hospital. I open up the Bible and I see the image of Jesus and I touch it and I see the blood. I feel after that, I feel one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It says that when one demon leaves and goes out and comes back, 
and finds his house swept, he goes and gets seven deadly. That's what happened to me. That is called a relapse. That's why when people with 15, 20, 30 years start drinking, you don't got one there, you got seven, you got 20. It's powerful. That happened to me. I continued to drink, and in May 2010, my wife had enough. She says, I'm done with you. I was psychotic too, by the way. I looked like Heath Ledger, the Dark Knight, for real, for real. One or two hours sleep, I was crazy. I drove my family crazy. She had had enough. She had had enough and she said, I don't want to be with you no more. I was devastated. What do I do? I called my parents, they said, you know what? Come on over here. There's someone that I want you to talk to. I go and talk to this Catholic priest, by the way, who I saw Monday, I celebrated my 12 years my, on Monday. And I go see this priest who's alcoholic. He quit drinking at 46 like me. He goes, Henry, well, first of all, I had to admit to somebody that I was alcoholic. And I says, I have a problem with anger and I'm a alcoholic. It came out. He goes, Henry, you go to those AA meetings, your living problems will be solved. Are you gonna go? Yeah, I'll think about it, right? That means, hell no. I didn't like the meetings. All I heard was bitching and complaining. I didn't want no part of it at all. Matter of fact, when I started, I read this book cover to cover and it was all a big bunch of bullshit. I went to the racetrack with my friends for two purposes, to go get drunk and get rid of this book. And I threw this book like 20 feet down. I had 20 beers, my buddies brought the hard stuff. I wasn't even gambling. I used to like gambling. I wasn't even gambling. All I was doing was drinking. But he says, you go to those eight meetings, your living problems will be solved. I went to the 502 a couple of times. I didn't want no part of this at all. You see, I'm defined by nature. And July 9th of 2010, I was at Quiet King and I had so much anger, I was ready to strangle her. I came home, I was so mad, I busted a picture. My son got mad at me, he was gonna call the cops. And I left and I continued drinking. My last drunk, July 10th of 010, I had eight MGDs. That was my last drunk. But like I stated, I had smoked weed. So the next day, July 11th, I called Les. And I says, Les, can you sponsor me? And he says, I can't help you with the wife. And Fernando over there, you know what? I, I gotta thank that man, he's my brother. He was sending me these little text messages, the little Jesus messages. And you know what, Fernando? That inspired me. He was my first sponsor. He goes, you go to 100, what was it, 120 meetings? And I did 128 meetings, Fernando. And uh, you know, I was doing good. I felt safe in here. And uh, that first year was tough. And uh, unfortunately, 
I had to switch sponsors. Sorry, Fernando. You're, I still consider you my sponsor. No reason. He, 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 <laughs> he's my friend. He's my. You know what? You, you mean a lot to me. You know what? Today, I didn't want to speak. And he says, you know what? Don't let your disease talk you out of it. My disease, you know what? I'm, I'm nervous. I'm tired. He helped me. He goes, you know, you got to thank God for the seemingly good and seemingly bad. Because you know what? Once you give that power to God, he turns it around on you. So I love that, man. You're my brother with all my heart. So in October of 2010... I met Steve, my sponsor now, and I did the fourth step, the one that everybody barks at. And uh, it's not just doing one, two, and three, but it's doing the fourth step. And my buddy Pat, who died in June of 2013, he couldn't do that fourth step, he died. I saw him right before he died, he was a ghost. I've lost a lot of people here that have died. This is what keeps me humble. And I started my journey as a newcomer. That first year was tough, I commend you, Caesar. That first year was very tough. I had the craving for alcohol for about a year and a half. It didn't, God didn't remove it. I drank for 28 good years. And so I did that fourth step. My buddy Randy, who's not here, we were at this meeting called the Jelly Bean Meeting. He goes, you know what? You gotta do the steps. The meetings open up. Because the meetings didn't mean anything to me. But I started working on that fourth step and most of my resentments were towards my, uh, my wife. I finished it. And in January of 2011, I went to see my sponsor and I dumped it. We met from, it was a Sunday, January 2nd, from 10 to four o'clock in the afternoon. We met for six hours. And when Bill and Bob were first met, Mother's Day of 1935, they met for six hours and 15 minutes. And when I looked at my sponsor, it wasn't him, it was God. He looked, his face had changed. And he says, you, you quit hanging around those people you were hanging around with? Because I was hanging around some person that I shouldn't have been hanging around with. And she was doing drugs and all that. He goes, you stay away from those people. Richard, all that. That night, and it talks about in step five, when serenity and humility are so combined, it is once atheist or agnostic that they feel the presence of God. And I felt God's presence in my room. I still had the craving for alcohol. Dr. Bob had it for two and a half years. I go to these meetings, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna have panic attacks. How can I live without my best friend? It don't come easy like Ringo Starr says. And I continued to go. I was in a separation during this time too. And living in the same house with the, with the wife, the estranged wife, towards the end of my second year, her and I had a big fight. I came from that jelly bean meeting. We had a big fight. And December of 29th, well, December, Christmas day, 
this, this is how sick she really got. She bought me all these gifts. I went to go give my wife a hug, thinking everything was okay, and she backed off. My ex-mother-in-law says, did you have a good time? With a smirk on her face. I hope you had a great time. Four days later, I get a knock on the door. I've been served. It was a Saturday. And I've been angry at God many times, Dave. And I hear this voice said, you know what? You don't test me, I test you. I was ready to go get a bottle of tequila. I was so mad, I was so angry. If my sponsor Steve hadn't shown up, I wouldn't be here right now. I'd be dead. He showed up, took me to his house, cleaned me up. I had to go get a lawyer the next year. So when I went and got a lawyer and I was very weak, I was very, you know, I had an epiphany where all of a sudden I wasn't thinking with my brain, I was thinking with my heart. I was lying on the couch and I'm getting chills telling you guys this. For a week, I was in this holy state. A woman that was dying that was an atheist at the hospital, at the end she accepted the Lord and she's in heaven. And I helped the homeless guy. Everything was bright. Everything was good for a week. I continued, I continued going to meetings. In that third year, and that third year was very pivotal too, because you know what? I didn't even want to go see the Lord. I didn't want to go through the divorce. And I called my sponsor, Steve, and I said, Steve, I feel like drinking. Steve says to me, maybe God has no use for you. Maybe you need to drink. And I quit balking. He goes, I want you to read that step three. The key step for me, the hardest step for me, opening that door, the key of willingness. But self-will takes it out. I read that thing. It took me about six months to finally grasp what that meant. I'm no longer in charge no more. He is. But sometimes I take it back, Dave. I play God. And I read the books and I got involved with my program. I started reading about the history of AA. And uh, I continued my journey. Thank you, Fernando. And uh, in 2016, my, my best friend Steve died. And I heard God's voice say, you know what? If you don't do this for you, you too will die. If you take a drink, you will die. He went in there, a beer drinker, by the way, liver and kidneys. You know how I'll go out, you guys? It won't be beer and pot. It'll be a lot of cocaine, scotch, whiskey, and gin. And I'll die within a month. Because in 2017, my body changed and I turned diabetic. I won't last long. 2017, I got my own place, we got a divorce, and I continued on this journey. And I've had a lot of God shots with my sponsor at H&I. The Bill Wilson experience, that bright light, that's happened to me many times. I feel safe in here. And for the newcomers, keep coming back.
All there is is death out there. Right now with this crazy ass world that we have, I wouldn't be out there, I wouldn't survive. It's safe in here. But the program is slow, it's slow briety. God works slow and God loves everybody here. I cherish AA with all my life, with all my heart. And in this 12th year, number 12 means completeness. And uh, you know what? I struggled with insomnia. In 2018, I did an inventory with a, my sponsor. Let me work with this woman sponsor. And to look at all my defects, put them on paper and burn them. Her name is Patty Cush, by the way. She helped me a lot because I do want to get married again. The old man's got to be left behind. It's a daily reprieve because you know what? I still got anger issues and I'm impatient. When I came in here, the anger was so bad, everybody stayed away from me. But it's that step six, working on the defense, where it separates the little man from the boys. We grow up in here. So in my 12th year, 12 means the number of completeness. But my journey continues. Helping others, being of service, carrying the message. I consider myself a leader like Bill Wilson. I don't have any guys that sponsor right now, but I can honestly say, spirituality is my game and I've taken to the program. And I can say that I'm a mighty man of God. I love God. I'm grateful for everything he's given me. And I'm grateful to Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob and I'm grateful for everybody here. And I want to say I love each each one of you. And with that, I'm going to finish sharing. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Henry. All right. All right, Henry. I didn't finish my drink. We got a grapevine. We have a grapevine. Hey everybody, I'm an alcoholic finish, Mike. Right on. And, oh, you do? Okay. Uh, how about a big round of applause for Henry? And our leader, Dave. Big round of applause for Dave. All right. Oh, we have a great fighting rep here tonight. Okay, there we go. Right on. Good evening, everyone. Um, we do have a uh, new issue of the Grapevine available, uh, free for the taking. Um, it, this one is called Coming Back. Members share powerful stories about the hell of drinking again and what helped them stay this time. Um, these are available. They are also available to order um, 12 issues for $29 and 50, 24 issues for $54. Uh, this one is free for the taking if we can. Uh, let's try to return them so that way we could cycle them out. Um, anyone would like this one? There we go. All right, Where's the last one? Should we return it? This is a friendly reminder for myself because I do have one that I have to return as well. So thank you for letting me be of service, everyone. I just, I just want to, my name is Mike. I'm an alcoholic. I want to plug my meeting, which is Thursday at 5 at the church up the street. It's a grapevine meeting. All we right, read a story and we talk about it. All right. That was the uh, AA announcements by Mike. Uh, 
I'm an alcoholic, but it's Mike again. Um, I always love a fantastic AA meeting with 101 Dalmatians chasing us in the background over here. Uh, there you go. You guys going to raffle these the two Disney, off? The Disney movie in the background reminds me of uh, that. This is a Rule 62, right? <laughs> we need to keep things light around here. So we're going to do the raffle now. And uh, we have some raffle tickets. The lovely Anna Lynn's going to pick a, a, a raffle ticket here. And uh, Tina, do you win one book or two books or what? Two books. Oh, so, so two, two books. Uh, two, two books, yeah. Two okay. different raffles? Two different numbers? Uh, two tickets. Okay. okay. Two tickets coming out here. The first one's going to be a, a book, right. and the second one will be a book as well. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Let's see. The number is going to be 627003. Right here? 627003. 627003. You are very unlucky because you went home early. <laughs> okay. All right. So the next one is going to be last number to 097. 097. Yeah. Anybody that made it to the end of the Okay, there you go. Oh, there you go. Right on. Check it. I trust you, man. You need to pick up. Yeah. What was the first one? Who has had the first one? Oh, is that Fernando one? Yeah, Lewis had the first one. Oh, okay. This one. Uh, zero, zero, three. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he has it. Fernando one. Oh, Lewis. Lewis. Thank you. Which one do you want, Lewis? All right. Lewis, which one do you want? Oh, he wants that one. All right. Oh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. That's it. I will be uh, withdrawing my comment about the person that didn't stay to the end of the meeting. <laughs> All right, Lewis. All right. Uh, these are the promises now. All right. All right. We're going to wrap this up with the promises. I'm an alcoholic. My name is Mike. Hey, Mike. These Thank are you for the, participating, guys. Right nine-step promises. Yeah, big round of applause for Tina for doing the raffle. Thank you. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be yeah. amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past or wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see to it how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. We'll intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. Right on. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. Now, after a moment of silence for the alcoholic who suffers in and out of this room and the families that are caught in the crossfire, please join me in the serenity prayer. Knock, knock. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things that cannot change, the courage to change the things that can, and the wisdom to know the difference.
Way to go, Mike. Good job, man. Right. Good finishing. Yeah. Yeah.